Hello and welcome to episode 243 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia is Ben Olson. Ben, how are you hanging in there with the uh, quarantine? Good, man. I just started watching um, Waco. Okay. It's about Waco, Texas uh, on Netflix two nights ago or something like that. Anyways, it's good. Yeah. I like it so it's far. Just, it's a, is it about the whole cult and everything? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's based off of a book written by an FBI negotiator who okay. was presumably involved, obviously, with Waco. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, my, <laughs> my knowledge of Waco, Texas was just, oh, there was a loony there and some shit yeah. went down. But like all stories, there's nuance and so forth. Are there parallels between um, the, you know, cult leader in Waco in the compound and Ben Olson with his four boys in the compound in Vienna, Virginia? Yeah, there's lots of awkward laughs as we watch the show, you know. <laughs> like, oh my God, I can't believe people would do that. Uh-huh. As the kids are sitting there in matching sweatsuits yeah. with matching white tennis <laughs> shoes and uh, shaved heads. No, that's the Heaven's Gate cult. That's a different cult. Oh, that's a different cult. Yeah, I don't know about that one. But yeah, no, it's interesting. Um Obviously, it's just this one guy's perspective, or and then, of course, twisted through whoever decided to direct this miniseries in Netflix. But uh-huh. still, it's interesting to learn about different things and to see different perspectives, but especially with something that took place so long. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was in the 90s, but it, it feels like a long time ago when you start watching it. Yeah. Hey, did you watch? I I had a nice moment the other day. I watched with my uh, nieces and nephew on uh, FaceTime, I watched the SpaceX launch on YouTube. Oh, that's cool. Did you see any no, of that? No, I didn't see any of that. It's bitching, man. I can't believe that Which shit. Which one crazy. launched? It was, well, it was part of their, um, oh, I forget now the name of the, the, the satellite system that they're putting up. Mm. You know, he's, he's putting up broadband internet satellites, right. That mm. are going to provide broadband to places that are, um, currently don't have it or it's too expensive or unreliable or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. which by the way is like one of the most amazing contributions to the future of humanity, right? Like, can you imagine giving some genius kid in some rural area, the internet? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he was never never able to have it before, and now he's like he's in some like fucking slum village somewhere, and now all of a sudden they have internet. I mean, who knows? It's like untold, amazing things will come out of that. Well, think about too, just like states like North Korea that so severely yeah. restrict <laughs> internet. It's like, sorry, pal, yeah. we got a thing flying over. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it's a satellite to ground based system, though, so it's not actually oh. like totally independent of, oh, of okay. the ground. But well, it's yeah, stepping anyway, in that direction, though, right? Like, this was their seventh launch, mm-hmm. s- successfully deploying 60 satellites per launch. They're going to do 70 of these launches times 60 satellites equals 420 satellites, hmm. or sorry, 4,200 satellites that they're putting up in this like mesh around you know, like surrounding earth Mm. to give broadband internet to places that don't have it. But it it was like, it was a crazy watching it on YouTube was wild. They showed the launch, then the main booster breaks off. And because it's SpaceX, you know, it's like, it doesn't just fall into the ocean. They land it. Yeah. They land it on the drone ship out in the ocean Hmm. so that they can bring it back to the launch pad and use it again. Wow. And <laughs> just, just crazy. I mean, it's humbling. Like it's incredible to see the kinds of progress we're making at the same time as you know the president is talking about putting bleach in your veins. Oh my gosh! You know, we, at least we have, at least we have scientific thinkers uh, that are actually in charge of stuff. So that's good. Um, on the show today, we have updates and news about the LSAT Flex, of course. We have a question from a listener who is new to the LSAT and wondering where to start. We have a pearls versus turds email combined with a should I postpone taking the June LSAT question. Okay. Uh, we have an email from someone who can't focus on their LSAT prep during the whole coronavirus time. Okay. We have questions for best study practices when you're an essential worker. 
Okay. And we have someone who is on the fence about law school. Let's see if we can make it through all that. Try to keep okay. it snappy. Uh, this Let's is going to air on Monday, April 27th, if all goes well. Upcoming events, I guess today is the, they just changed this. Uh, we have an email about this later, mm. but they just changed the day that if you are signed up for, if you were signed up for the April LSAT, which has now become the May LSAT flex Mm -hmm. today, April 27th is the day that you have to make sure you book a time on Proctor U. Hmm. And they had some, somewhat of a shit show about that. And we, we have an email, uh, to talk about that. Okay. The May LSAT flex week is May 18th. So if you're signed up for that, again, April 27th, the day that this podcast comes out, you're going to be booking yourself a slot during the week of May 18th so that you can take the LSAT flex. If you weren't registered for April, then that doesn't apply to you. June 5th, a Friday, is the tentative May LSAT flex score release date. And then that's three days before June LSAT on Monday June 8th for now. Like who knows what they're going to end up doing with these dates. Everything is still up in the air. Yep. And if you're not registered for the June LSAT by now, it's presumably too late. Uh, the registration date is today. I think today, Friday, yeah, April 24th. Yeah. So although that might change. <laughs> yeah, totally. Who knows? We will give you all of the news as soon as we have it. Um, by the way, if you have tips or questions, you can always email the show, help at thinkinglsat.com. We get our best uh, intelligence from the listener community, so please send us an email. If you do and you want to use your, um, if you want to send us a selfie that we can use on our social media, please do that. But really, send us your questions and your comments. That's help at thinkinglsat.com. Leave us a review on iTunes if you get a chance. Hit the five stars. Write a few words about the show. really helps people find us. All right, Ben, you want to take this first uh, LSAT Flex email? Yeah, Ben and Nathan. This is an old email, but it addresses two points you discussed on the podcast today. April test takers were automatically registered for the LSAT Flex in May unless we choose another option. Oh, that's one thing we were talking about. Was it an opt-in or opt-out? So we did not have an opt-in. Because their email was unclear. Yeah. They said, tell us whether you plan to take it. But (laughs) if you didn't tell them that you were going to take it, they opted you in. Although, but then you had to make an appointment for Proctor U. So anyways, go ahead. Yeah, that's strange. So if you forget to do that, um, you still have to opt in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In regard to the length of the test, LSAC said the test will be comprised of three 35-minute sections to meet the anticipated demand and the needs of the remote testing solution. So maybe something about Proctor U can't handle the five-section timing. I don't know. I buy this, Brittany <laughs> says, since each test will be proctored live by someone via Proctor U. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Oh, that's why they shortened it. That's oh, so they they are claiming that it was the the brakes issue, right? But it made it it was like really how how was someone going to cheat? Yeah. This time section is over during the break. You can't answer any questions. So how could someone have cheated, right? I made a joke about looking up the answers in the bathroom. Yeah. But now we realize that they're actually going to have, they have to have, I think with Proctor U, it's going to be more proctors. More proctors, and they're going to be watching you for one hour and 45 minutes So the longer the now. test, the more expensive it is because they're probably paying these people by the hour or the pricing that they're getting from Proctor U is going to be related to the length of the test. Yep. Now we see. Hmm. Okay. It's anyway, two, go they got $200 from you. <laughs> Fuck. It's so ridiculous. She continues. I know you joked about having someone else in the room while taking the test. I don't know if this is true or not, but I read that the test taker has to show the proctor around the room. That I have heard that. So, but I, I still don't see how that prevents cheating. You, you just have the person. You have a table with a tablecloth. Yeah, and like duck under your... the table for the first 30 seconds. Ben Olsen is like crouched under the table with the tablecloth. You pan around the room. And then as soon as you set up the camera for like, okay, I'm ready to take the test. Then Ben just peeks out from under the tablecloth. <laughs> I feel like the answer is C. <laughs> I feel like you're judging me. I got, I got kids to feed, man. <laughs> I'm not judging you. <laughs> Somebody pays you enough to camp out under the table. Dad, how do you make your money? 
Don't ask. <laughs> Just eat your slop. Okay, let me know if there's anything else I can help to clarify. I'm happy to help. Thanks, Brittany. We appreciate it. You want to take Anna's email? Sure. It says uh, this was so. This was an update. Okay. That they told her that sign up will begin at 12 p.m. Eastern time, Thursday, April 23rd. Please be on the lookout for an email from Proctor U on Thursday morning with detailed instructions to guide you through the scheduling process. That was a quote from the email they sent Anna. Then says Anna. So on the morning of the day, we need to sign up for our slots. They're going to send us instructions. All caps. The morning of. (laughs) Please blast LSAC on your next episode. This is ridiculous. Some of us are actually still working, so a random Thursday at noon might not work for all of us, but I guess they don't care. Also, a weekday for the test? All caps. Hello, LSAC. Some of us still work. Like me in medical billing. LSAC zero, coronavirus one. Make sure to add also that they said Thursday morning, April 23rd, that Proctor U was going to send us all an email to sign up for our LSAT times. And come Thursday morning, no one got an email. So everybody blew up the LSAC phone number and website. Finally, at 1223, we got an email that said they are extending the sign up time to April 27th. Ridiculous. Anna. It is funny, like they bring it upon themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. because everybody was so frantic about like making sure they got the email and making sure that they follow the directions and making sure that they sign it. Like the the way LSAC is like sign up will begin at 12 p.m. Eastern time, Thursday, April 23rd. Yeah. (laughs) Please be on the lookout for an email. And then it's like so then people are like taking them at their word. People also know that they have like had all kinds of shit shows before. Yeah. And so... (laughs) So, so that people are expecting it and like trying to register like, like they're, they're poised, right. With their finger on the button to like, make sure that they sign up. Yeah. And then, (laughs) then they're late. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And then they extended it. Yeah. So this, apparently it was some glitch on the Proctor U side with the registration, Hmm. not an auspicious start. I would say. No. To the registration for the LSAT flex. Not but, good. No. But hey, they worked this stuff out and maybe, you know, maybe this will become an, an, a normal thing. Maybe they can go well, online. Well, please, 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 LSAC. Come on, get your shit together and move your test online. Yeah. I mean, it's we're, we're beyond the days of where it just makes any rational sense that people should be going to some college classroom to sit there in a room with your tablet computers, <laughs> which now, by the way, you have to extra sanitize between every test. Ooh. Think about that huge investment they made in all those <laughs> devices. <laughs> <laughs> Microsoft's like, it was, a, it was a bad idea when they did it. And now in light of the Corona shit, it's a real bad idea. Oh, it also caps their ability to, Expand the test. I don't know. It's just interesting. Anyways, okay. Next email. This is the new to the LSAT email guy. Hey, guys. My name is Andreas. Is that how you say that? I'd say Andres. Andres. And I just stumbled upon your podcast a couple of days ago. I'm currently a junior at UCLA, and I've not yet taken taken any preparations for the LSAT. That's fine. Knowing the type of student I am, I would like to enroll in a course as soon as possible. That being said, I don't know how to go about studying for the LSAT. I would ideally like to score in the high 160s, 170s. That's a common aspiration, by the way. Mm -hmm. I obviously have no experience or expectations for how long it will take me to achieve those scores consistently, so I'd very much appreciate it if you could point me in the right direction. I'm looking for a consistent routine lasting six months to a year, depending on how much improvement I need. Dude, did someone in the back office of Elsa Demon write this email? It almost <laughs> Yo, sounds mean, like it's like it's setting us up, up for a yeah, commercial. Like, hmm, yeah. Thank you for providing clarity and guidance for all of us who want to go to law school. And I hope to hear from you soon. Exclamation point. Yeah, I mean, Elsa Demon Live allows you to study with us every day of the week and drill when you're not in a Zoom meeting. 
with either me or Nathan or some of our TAs. So, yeah, I would just go to lsatdemon.com and start drilling as soon as you create an account. You can do a free trial and then start sitting in on some of the classes. The thing that everyone needs to get their minds wrapped around is that the LSAT is all about doing official practice problems, making mistakes, and then learning from those mistakes. I think it's very easy for people to like want this immense structure, like, oh, what's the very first question I should do? No, it doesn't right. matter. Just do an official question, get an explanation for it, get your mind wrapped around that question and then move to the next one. And pretty soon you'll find yourself uh, doing better and better on the actual practice exams. Yeah, totally. I mean, Andres, I don't think you need to make a plan for six to 12 months. I think you just need to do something today. And if you go to the demon, I mean, we got three different subscription levels, but the, the highest one, the live level, you could be in a live class with me or with one of our TAs or with Ben today. I mean, today or tomorrow. And we've got, like Ben said, we've got every single day we have live instruction happening on LSAT Demon Live. So um, join us. Uh, you can you can make progress right now. And we can reevaluate once we see where you're at. This This idea of tell me what to do to score in the 160s or 170s. It's like, well, I don't know uh, because it depends where you start. It depends what your weaknesses are. But I don't know what those weaknesses are and I don't know what your starting level is until you like actually start. Yeah. So you don't need to sign up for like it's it's just a whole new world. Like we're not you don't have to wait for a course to start. You don't have to, you know, sign up for some grand huge package in advance. It just sign up for a month, you know, or do the free trial. And then if you decide that you want to study with us, just join at whatever subscription level, you know, gives you the things you think you want. There's good reasons to subscribe at all the different levels. Yeah. Um, but I think live is honestly, I think it's a hell of a bargain compared to how much LSAT classes used to cost. The fact that it's now two ninety five a month and you get live instruction every single day you get immense value out of that 295. Yeah. So get cracking right now and I don't know that it has to take you 6 months to a year. Nope. Why what it's like he made he's like asking for how to like how do I go about this? Yep. But then he's also saying I am looking for a consistent routine lasting 6 months to a year. Well, maybe you don't I don't know, that's potentially extra. That's great that you're willing to do that because this is the beginning of your legal career. So that's awesome. But I, many people are going to get it done in a lot less than six months. Yeah. So, and not everybody. Some people are going to take six months or a year. But we just there's a there's a wider range I think than people think that than people think there is. Yeah. So I would just say get cracking. Get cracking. Pearls versus turds time. It is. This is the segment of the show where we take a bit of received wisdom from the internet or from people who mostly from people who email help at thinkinglsat.com and um, suggest a piece of wisdom that they have gotten from the internet somewhere or that they made up themselves or whatever. And they just kind of run it through the grinder here to see if, um, if we think it is a pearl of wisdom or a turd. And most of them turn out to be turds. Right now, we've got seven pearls, 32 turds, and 15 ties. And it says, Hi, Ben and Nathan. I have a pearls versus turds idea for you! Exclamation point. Background. I've been scoring consistently high on my LSATs, averaging 170. But my worst section is reading comp. I generally miss between three and five questions per section. I think this is partly because I wasn't an avid reader growing up, so my brain doesn't have the natural skill to read quickly while comprehending everything. Even when I miss a question on LR, it's usually due to a reading comprehension problem. Well, that's pretty universal, wouldn't you say, Ben? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most mistakes on the LSAT come from misreading. Pearl slash turd. While I am obviously focused on doing a ton more reading comp, I've also been looking at other source material that can help me better develop this skill which I anticipate will be helpful not only for the LSAT, but for my entire legal career. So, in addition to my usual LSAT prep, I'm perusing reading comprehension books with tips on visualization techniques. I also downloaded this app called Elevate 
that has fun little games you can play every day designed to train your brain. Let's stop there because that's the Pearl versus Turd. And then there's a question, which is a totally separate topic. So what I want to know is you said you're pursuing perusing reading comprehension books with tips on visualization techniques. I'm actually all for like people who have sat down and thought about how do you help people read better and comprehend what they're reading. My challenge has been that a lot of these books are geared toward people learning how to read (laughs) and everyone who's really struggling here on the LSAT, not everyone, but most, the vast, vast majority know how to read. The issue is how do you read convoluted shit? And most books that talk about deconstructing convoluted shit talk about, well, there's just not that many books about them. So I'm curious what the actual tip is. Like I'm perusing reading comprehension books (laughs) with tips. What are the tips? That's what I want to know so I can decide whether they're good I know. I, I I think it's a um, more information needed. I, right. We don't know. Like without a specific book or without a specific tip. I mean, and there is this app, Elevate. What do we think uh, generally? What do we think about doing some other app called whatever, which with fun little games you can play that are designed to train your brain? I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Just go do. <laughs> LSAT questions? I mean, I, yeah. I'm skeptical of these kinds of totally. apps. I feel like they're, they claim to be based in science and research, but I'm like, okay, I think you're getting better at those games. I don't know that you're getting better at the LSAT. It's probably good for people, but... I'm voting turd. It, it just seems like a waste of time. We have 90-whatever LSAT tests. We have 360-whatever passages of reading comp. Yeah, you know, are you done, Annika? Are you done reading all of the 360 plus passages and answering the, what is it? Three, wait, so each passage has like seven or eight questions. Yeah, so we're looking at two, 3,000, couple, couple 3,000 yeah. RC questions. I, I just, I can't imagine that you're going to, what could possibly be better for learning LSAT reading comp than just doing LSAT reading comp? Yeah. And rereading those passages, which are poorly written by design when you don't understand them and figuring out why the correct answer is correct. Not just, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Air quotes. Yeah. I would, I would rather you read the passages, try to predict the answer to the main point question possibly write that down. I've been thinking about, it seems like a useful exercise to like read the passage and then write a sentence. Yeah. Commit people to something in part. A lot of those sentences are going to be framed in this way, which is bad. It's going to be like the passage was about X and it's like, yeah, we all know it was about tigers. What I want to know is what's the main point. Rewrite that sentence. And it's until someone has that down on paper, do they realize how vacuous the sentence is? And it's just shocking how many of the questions are related to the main point. And the main point is the purpose behind why they wrote this passage. Mm -hmm. Like, what do they want? What are they trying to sell you? And yeah, you're right, Ben. People, the passage was about, no, no, no. What do they want? What are they selling? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they think something's good, right? Or they think something's bad, right? Yeah. Okay, why do they think it's good? Why do they think it's bad? Yeah. Do they want me to do something about this? And if you can write that sentence and then compare that sentence to the correct answer for the, for the main point question, and then when you go through all the other questions, you realize that they, like, ha- at least, I, I swear to God, half of them are just main point questions in disguise. They connect back to the main point in some way, and that's how you get rid of the wrong answers. You're just like, no, it's inconsistent with what the person was trying to prove, so that can't be correct. It's very frequent that that the correct answer is the only one that's like compatible with the with the main with the main point of the passage. Yeah, I I say turd. I'm cool with that. Okay, Annika continues. Also, can you help me decide whether I should postpone taking the June LSAT? I've been moderately studying since January. I never really picked up the intensity of my studying now that I have nothing else to do during the quarantine. I've increased my score from a 164 cold diagnostic to a 170 average, but I really want a 175 plus on test day. 
I think it's possible based on the slow and steady progress I'm continuing to make. I'm anticipating also taking the July test. If that doesn't hit the mark I want, maybe August as well. I feel like June 8th may be a little too soon before I hit my absolute peak. And I've heard that it's ideal to send as few scores to law schools as possible. Hmm. Sorry if I'm being too perfectionist. Yeah, I think you are. On the other hand, if June 8th is a flex test, maybe it will increase my chances of getting a top score. What? Thoughts? Thanks. Love the podcast. Annika. Uh, It's April right now. April is ending, but you still have May. That's a month. You're already in the 170s. That means you're not reviewing that many questions when you finish a test. I feel like you can close the gap here. I know we've said this before, and mm, this is partly a financial decision, but I would just stick with June. You can always withdraw the night before. Well, things might be changing, but withdraw sometime close to the test if you're really like not where you want to be. I would just keep that option open. I always think that's the smartest move for people who are at least a month or two away. You just don't know what's going to happen in that time frame, especially if you're studying a lot. I mean, it sounds like you are. So, If you don't take June, then July is your first attempt. Then that's like your only test where you could still apply at the very beginning of September. That's true, because your next test after that is that August, but that's the end of August. Yeah, the August test scores aren't going to come out until the end of September. Now, it's not like it's you know too late to apply if you apply at the end of September when the August scores come out, but it's also not optimal. If you're a perfectionist, I you know uh, I say this all the time that if 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 this was if I was making a decision for like my kid, mm-hmm. if I was in charge of the finances. It would basically be like, yeah, you're, we apply to law school at the beginning of September. Yep. And if that means that we apply at the beginning of next September, so be it. We just, that's when we apply to law school is the beginning of September. Yeah. Because we want to have that application in right away so that we can start the bidding war and give ourselves the most time we can to negotiate because we want those promo codes. And so yeah, if you're going to be a perfectionist, Annika, then I, I, the August test is not optimal. It's of yeah. course, it's a totally fine backup and you, you, lots of people are going to apply in September or October and still get full rides. Right. Or even, you know, November, but the later you go in the cycle, the, it's just like everything starts kind of like deteriorating, right? Your offers, there's your chances of getting really great offers just kind of declines the later you get into the cycle. So I would prefer that you're applying the beginning of September, take the June test, Annika, you're, you're only five points away. Yeah. Also, I want to point out that, you know, I really want a 175 plus on test day. Okay. Well that's a 99.9th percentile score. So you're talking about like, you really want a one out of a thousand score. Yeah, that's great. I mean, but there's 999 other people who want that score and there's, you know, not all of them are have any chance of getting that score, but but many of them do. And you kind of like this idea of like it's better to send as few scores to law schools as possible. I think that's drastically outweighed by the fact that law schools really care most about your highest score. Yeah. Slash most schools explicitly only care about like explicitly only care about your highest score. Yeah. And maybe that maybe that's not true for the very very top top uh, HYS, but it's totally true for almost every law school. Only care about your highest score. Yeah. So to get yourself that one seventy five plus, I mean, multiple chances at it are going to really help you get that one in a thousand shot. So take it. You got it. Why does why do people think the June eighth? If it's a flex text test, maybe it will increase my chances of getting a top score. Why do people think that? There's, oh, there's because no, it's shorter. Okay, but I don't. I, I just don't think the scores for the flex are going to be higher than the normal scores. Yeah, it's going to play differently for different people, especially if you're good at LR. Now that's not worth as much. Yeah, for the flex only, it's not that big of a deal. It's like a small change, but it's I don't know. I think you just need to take it. I think everybody needs to just basically take it. Give yourself multiple bites at it. There you go. You want this next email? Yeah. 
Ben and Nathan, I've been a loyal listener since last summer. I'm writing to thank you both for the incredible podcast and creating the demon. Oh, thanks, David. As a first-generation college student, I was totally lost going into this process, and I'm sure if I hadn't come across the Thinking LSAT, I would have only taken the test once, initially got a 165. Wow, that's amazing, by the way. And blindedly attended the highest-ranked school that accepted me without taking debt into, into account. Fortunately, I retook the LSAT twice, got my goal score of 170 on the third try, and now I'm headed to the University of Virginia Law School on a full tuition scholarship, turning down quarter tuition scholarships from UChicago, NYU, and Columbia along the way. Damn, dude. It's good. University of Virginia is just as awesome as those schools. I just really don't see it's... (laughs) why they didn't offer him more or really, you know, you don't know who's going to come to the table with a full tuition scholarship, but you, that just kind of goes to show, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why you apply broadly. That's why you retake the LSAT. That's why you apply early in the cycle and apply broadly. (laughs) That is weird. Those offers don't make any sense. I mean, Mm -hmm. NYU is not ranked as high as UVA, right? So why, uh, yeah, NYU, I think, well, they're very close. These things change oh, a little bit, I guess. But yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're all yeah. top. He continues. Still, yeah. yeah. Thanks for to a fellowship awarded by my undergrad and rental assistance from my parents. I will be graduating with under 50K in total debt from one of my top choices. I owe you both my life. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> um, these decisions will have a, extraordinary impact on where your life will go. Actually, that is true. Can you imagine? I mean, applying with a 165 probably wouldn't have gotten into University of Virginia. Probably wouldn't have gotten into any of those schools. Yeah, would not have, and maybe wouldn't have pursued a, a, a scholarship, let alone a full tuition scholarship. Yeah. I mean, you have the flexibility to kick ass in law school and not stress out as much you still have debt coming out which you realize but that's 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 part of life and um wow yeah you're you're gonna end up in a different job than you would have ended up he yeah he could have been paying like full price at gw or something yeah and instead he's going to uva on a full ride that's wild and now when you leave you can say okay well i don't necessarily have to go into big law because I have some debt right. that I can pay that off with a normal salary. Yeah. And and you may you're going to have big law options more than you would at other places. So I'm not saying you can't go there and make big bucks, but you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great, David. David says, "Thanks so much and keep up the great work." Sure, no problem. Cool. Um you don't owe us your life, David, but we just expect a lifetime of referrals. Yes. That's all. That's true. And just adoration. go to UVA, kick ass, become a big fancy lawyer, and then just anytime people talk about law school, just refer them to the podcast and the demon. That's all. That's it. That's all, That's we, all ask. we ask. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You got this next one? Yeah. Hi, Nathan and Ben. I live in New York City, and I can't seem to focus on my LSAT prep with everything going on. I won't detail my own misfortunes, as I imagine all your listeners are struggling somewhat during this pandemic. But I'm wondering what you have to say to your students who are really overwhelmed. Okay, I'm registering for the June test soon, and I've been studying for a few months now. Score ranges from 157 to 161. I'm getting in drills every now and then, and I've scheduled an hour for LSAT in my calendar. Huh? I've scheduled an hour for the LSAT in my calendar. I'm assuming day, day. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any other tips? Thanks for your time. Stay safe. Anonymous. Do you have any advice? Well, it's okay if you can't focus on, if you can't bring your best self to the test right now because of everything you're going through, especially in New York City. And I, you know, I just, I can't imagine what that's like. You don't, this doesn't have to be the time that you totally reinvent your life and make all the progress you've been wishing you would make. <laughs> you know, like it, if you can't get it done, you can't get it done. I think maybe step one is just to accept that. Mm-hmm. 
if you're studying an hour a day, though, that's great. Maybe anonymous is being like they're making letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. That's a common thing for anyone. Yeah. yeah. Like thinking that an hour is not enough to improve. I think an hour is enough to improve. So if you're doing an hour a day, especially if it's high quality hour, mm-hmm. I think you should be still, you know, just chipping away at it. I think you should still be kind of grinding, slowly grinding your way up. Just make it a high quality hour every day and then just like take care of yourself the other 23 hours. Also, if you're feeling overwhelmed there, yeah, kind of like going back to what you were saying initially, Nathan, if, if you're sitting down to study and you can't focus, well, maybe that's because there is a bigger problem that needs to be addressed. Some of those problems are outside of your control. Some of them are within your control. And if there are any that are, that are within your control, maybe you need to put a full stop on LSAT and just turn your focus face those challenges, whatever they are, address them. And then in a month from now, or however long it takes you to address them, turn your focus back to the LSAT. Totally. Like maybe your mind is telling you something because there is this other thing that needs to be addressed. But if it's out of your control, then you might need meditation or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, totally like take a break, get, you know, if you have like health matters that need to be addressed, like solve those first. If you have living situation issues that need to be fixed or work issues that need to be fixed, you know, those kinds of things are going to impede your capacity to do anything, not just the LSAT. So like sleep, for example, if you're not sleeping because of whatever reason, fix that first, make that the priority. And if you're feeling burned out, I mean, when people say, I was wondering, you know, I'm feeling a little bit stressed and I'm feeling a little burned out. Do you think I should take a break? And I'm like saying yes before they get done with their statement, right? I'm like, before they get done with their question, I'm like, yes, yes, take a break. Please stop. Like you're killing yourself. So take a week off anonymous and just sort out your, you know, situation as best you can. And whatever challenges that you are facing, if there are any outside of the LSAT, it sounds like there are, almost always it makes sense to break them down into smaller and smaller tasks. Um, You know, you may have some big problem like, oh, I've got to find a new housing situation or uh, whatever it might be. Well, don't make this your checkbox find a new housing situation or move out or whatever start with like okay what's the smallest thing i could do that would move the ball forward here um look spend five minutes looking at places on zillow yeah yeah exactly and so take it take your challenge whatever it is break it down and start checking off things and move in that direction and then turn your focus back to the lsat totally yeah stay safe this is a you know it's a I, i really hate the word unique but this is uh you know, unique times. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. Yeah, it's it's going to be fine. We're all going to get through it. Uh, life is probably never going to return 100% back to normal. I think things, some things are going to be permanently changed. Um, but some of that's going to be permanently changed for the better. And hopefully you can just be optimistic about what the world's going to look like on the other side of all this. And Law school is always going to be there. The LSAT's always going to be there. There's no rush. It's totally fine. If you want to put this whole thing off for a year, it's probably smart anyway. I, I don't think I've ever told somebody like, "No, you should rush into it." Like, <laughs> "Oh, it's critical that you just get going right now." Like, you have to. Boy, it's so important that you apply this fall. I've definitely never said that to anyone. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, Anonymous. Like You wait another year, and it's probably better. Hey, this is kind of random, but you were talking about how life is not going to go back to the way we knew it necessarily, right? Yeah. I was yeah. thinking about this yesterday. I was at the grocery store buying some food, and they uh-huh. have these like you know these plastic like visors that are between the worker and the checkout yeah. person. Yeah. And I was thinking about that, and I'm like... Well, they've invested all this money in putting these things up, right? Like, at what point do you say, okay, let's take them down? Like, I don't think they're ever going to take them down. Like, no, because they make sense. They make sense. Yeah, they're, now you can't, or you're less likely to get sick from someone 
you're checking out with who, you know, Corona gets taken care of eventually, but who knows what other random sickness there is floating around. We pass each other colds and flus every year and act like that's just part of like, it's just like, Oh, it's inevitable, but it's not inevitable. Yeah. Like I think handshakes, I think are just permanently canceled. Yeah. That's not, it's just not necessary. We do not need to be physically touching a million other humans. It's we're dirty. So we don't need to be doing that. It's fine. We can do the little peace sign from six feet away. It's fine. You know, you don't, we don't need to be, um, what else was I thinking about? Oh, just the absurdity of, um, uh, you know, classroom education. Mm-hmm. It makes no fucking sense for a million reasons, including infectious disease. Mm-hmm. Like if, if we decided to, you know, go back to teaching live classes, you know, it, it, there's something it's, it's fun, I suppose. But there's lots of costs to it. I've talked before about the commuting and the, you know, everybody having to be on the exact same time frame. And just there's a million reasons why it's like not efficient. Mm-hmm. But what about that one? What about the, what, what about the fact that someone in the room is going to have the fucking flu? Yeah. And it's totally unnecessary to be getting together in that small room with this person. When you get together with 30 people in a room, somebody's sick. Mm-hmm. They don't even know it yet, but they're contagious. Yeah. And it's just not, it's, I I don't think rational people, I think that like, there's going to be me among them. I I think I'm just going to be like thinking really hard about why, like, wait, do I really want to go to the Dodger game and pack into the bleachers with, you know, pack into Dodger stadium with 60,000 drunk <laughs> screaming people, like people just screaming over the top of your head all day. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're shoulder to shoulder, even to get through security to get into Dodger stadium. Yeah. Like, why would we go back to that? It's just kind of, I don't know. It's like, I suppose it was fun sort of, but it was also like ultra expensive and time consuming. <laughs> and there's so many other options. Yeah including video games. God damn, the video games are good these days. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. So, no, I don't know. Just, there's, there's a lot that's not... Did I say this already? CSU Northridge here in Los Angeles already announced that fall semester is going to start online. You did. So that's fall mm-hmm. semester for the entire university is mm-hmm. going to start online. Hmm. But it, it just illustrates the absurdity of what's the point of it anyway? I mean, I would think that they at least need to give everybody the option to do it online. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, cause this isn't going away anytime soon for people who like live with immunocompromised people, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no way it makes sense. Like imagine if you had like a healthcare worker who is studying f- for the LSAT or just a healthcare worker who's studying for the NCLEX or whatever, you know, or the MCAT or whatever. Mm-hmm do you really want them going into a live classroom to study for that? Yeah. When they're also then going to the hospital to treat patients? Yeah. Of course you don't. You, <laughs> we should be trying to stay away from other people, other humans. Like there's fun, there's like community and socialization and all that stuff, but you can do a hell of a lot of that online too. Yeah. My Dungeons and Dragons group um, has been playing more often since Corona times. We played last night Hmm. and it was like incredible. And we just played on zoom. Everybody's at home. It's, it's now way easier for us to get together. We play more often. Hmm. It's easier to schedule and it's easier for everybody to do. Yeah. Now that we're just like purely online. Yeah. And everybody's working from home. I mean, offices have to be canceled, right? That's like the dumbest thing in the world. That's been the dumbest thing in the world for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Having, having a business office address when you, when you do anything other than like retail or like explain to me why you have to have cubicles next to each other instead of just having everybody work at home. What's the possible value of that? Yeah. Especially since the open um, office format proved to be a failure, right? Productivity went down rather than up. <laughs> yeah. And it's now canceled, totally canceled, because of the potential for spreading viruses around. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's just a silly. Some business consultants, you know, came up with that. Like, oh, here's a thing we can sell people. <laughs> you pay us a consulting fee, ten million dollars, so that we can come in and totally reach, you know, change around all your office shit. <laughs> now okay. everybody's to get d- together in the same room and distracted all the time. <laughs> And then it's like, I don't know, I think many, many businesses are running way better now that everybody's just at home all the time. Yeah. Everybody gets to manage their own shit and it's just easier. Yeah. Well, there definitely are some businesses where people, I think you have like families and stuff where the distraction at home is, is, you know, worse than whatever it was before, but somehow... Well, that's part of the a problem having kids at home too. That's just because, yeah, well, that's a separate issue, right? That's just, yeah. you got kids and like people count on school to provide free babysitting for their children. That's what the schools don't seem to understand these days. Their primary function is babysitting, but they're like thinking that their primary function is teaching. So they keep providing parents with teaching methods and materials and you're like dude i have to sit down and like work through all this stuff it's like now i'm just doing what you're supposed to be doing <laughs> sorry a little random tangent no, here. it is funny i mean it's i this has made people think people who you know people who don't have kids and people who do have kids are having a very different coronavirus experience <laughs> My life is very different from yours. I'm total, and my sisters. Oh my god, I call my sister all the time, and I talk. To, I talk to the kids on Facetime, and it's just like you are living with those things, 24 hours a day. That's <laughs> fucking crazy. Wow. I mean, and I love the shit out of my nieces and nephews, um, especially the oldest one, who's 12. She's fucking fantastic. But I just the difference between living alone and living with three kids. Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, it's making you think, huh? Or making you appreciate uh, the the public school, the, the school, the, the value that you get from your uh, property taxes or whatever. Yeah, it is. well, it's interesting because some private schools around here, I mean, they kind of just did what we did, right? They just went online. So they're just like, okay, yeah. um, kids, you know, show up at nine, hop off at one, which is earlier than usual, but it's still like the kids are are being preoccupied online by their class. But the public schools around here, um, at least in my area, it's like, first of all, it's this random assortment. So you're like, oh, shit. Oh, it's 11.15. Like, so-and-so has to get on their class and and meet, and then they are only on there for 30 minutes or something, you know. And the supposed reason for this is they want to, minimize their screen time. I'm like, Ugh. dude, this is way too complicated. You guys were teaching these kids from 8.30 until 3.30 every day. Just, you know, I don't care if it's 9 to 1. Just tell us, send us the link. We send them to the computer, and then you guide them, like, through whatever it is they need to do. But instead, it's just like we show up and have to make sure they logged in, and then they, they log off. And then they're like, okay, now they have to do their stuff. I'm like, these kids are going to run off and go do their thing. They're not going to sit around and do this homework. Anyways, it's not working. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They need to figure it out. They need to, like, just make it simpler. Anyways, that's my opinion. That's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I talked to my sister. My sister is a kindergarten teacher, and she was – She, I talked to her, like, a couple weeks ago, and she was in tears – about the stress of trying to teach kindergarten online. Hmm. Okay. And the thing she was stressed about was that she she was like still trying to comply with all of these stupid state mandated standards. Mm. And it was like, you know, people you're not recognizing how big of a shift this is to online and you should just like you should just you need to reinvent what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can't. It just can't be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You just have to do different shit. And they're kindergartners. Like, of course, it's going to be hard to get them to pay attention to a Zoom meeting. Yeah. Although, she sent me a clip of it. She sent me a clip of doing show and tell on Zoom hmm. with like 30 kindergartners. Yeah. And the kids were fucking, they were like wrapped. They loved it. Yeah. They were like sitting there watching the other kids show, you know, their kitten 
or show their Legos or whatever. And because this was the brilliant thing is that my sister could mute. <laughs> yeah. There's no need to try to keep the kids quiet. You just mute everybody except for the yeah. one kid who can talk. Yeah. And it was, and all, but you see just all these little tiny faces and they're all just like staring at the screen. <laughs> it's like a TV show starring them. Yeah. And they're all like excited. I was like, Oh wow, that's fucking amazing. <laughs> that's cool. Maybe. I mean, yeah, it's like, right there that seems like better than i mean because i've been in her classroom before and there's a lot of behavior management in that case Mm -hmm. yeah Um, but on zoom i guess well they could just run away (laughs) 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 just turn off the computer (laughs) i don't know all right anyways we're all all over the place should we get back to the agenda yeah yeah so this next one's from scotty hey y'all This might be an odd question to ask at a time when most are stuck at home, bored out of their minds, but some of us are essential. Got to move that period inside the quote, Scotty. Yep, yep, Scotty. (laughs) Just that made me think of beam me up. But anyways, um, if you had just 45-ish minutes to study on any one given day, intending to study one section of the test, let's say LR, for example... (laughs) Would you choose to do a timed 35-minute LR section and review it afterward or drill LR for 45 minutes on the demon, watching reviews after questions? Um, In other words, minute for minute, which gives more bang for your buck, sections or drilling? Dude. You have to pick. It's a binary question, Ben. It's, it's a binary question. Okay, so first of all, like, why the hell are you limited to exactly forty-five minutes? But okay, yeah. um, I so bang for your it's it's a toss-up. I would go back and forth. Just do one one day and another the next day. Here's why: drilling is more uh, efficient in the sense that you're going to be getting questions that are yep. at your skill level, whereas a time section is going to have a bunch of easy questions that waste your time. And in many cases, a bunch of hard questions that are wasting your time because you really shouldn't even be doing them, but, um, or not getting to them. Uh, at the same time, doing a time section helps you learn to ignore the time, which you can't do as easily with drilling. So I would just go back and forth. One day do one, next day do the other. And that's regardless of whether you have 45 minutes. Totally. Go back and forth. I say drilling is better. Like bang for your buck, you're going to learn more from drilling. Sure. But I think timed sections are necessary. Yep. Necessary means without it, you're probably not going to get your best score. If you don't do 35-minute sections, sometimes... Like there's just a non-zero portion of the population, a pretty big non-zero portion of the population that's going to just shit the bed when they take the official test if they've never timed themselves before. Yep. So as Ben said, the reason why you do 35-minute sections is so that you can learn to ignore the clock, train yourself to ignore the clock. And it is critical, I think it is necessary, that you do timed sections uh, without that, I just can't imagine that you're going to get your highest score. So do that sometimes. But if you want to lean on drilling a little more heavily than timed sections, that's probably right. If it was just like, how do I get... Because the other thing is the 45 minutes, I don't think doing a 35-minute LR section and then reviewing it for 10 minutes and calling it good... Well, that's I why that's I was wondering this whole 45 minutes thing. Really, your day is so structured that you can only give 45 minutes to the LSAT? Like, can we just extend that to an hour or do you do your time section and then re- finish reviewing it the next day? I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you're some kind of essential worker that they've got you working 80 hours a week, then maybe this is just, isn't the best time for you to, you know, during an actual pandemic, maybe it's not the best time for you to be studying <laughs> for the LSAT period. You put um, his period inside the quotation marks. <laughs> I moved it for him. Yeah, it's bothering <laughs> this email is going to be deleted and like... <laughs> I don't care. No, it's not making me, it's not giving me a seizure right now. So I moved it. Good. Um, yeah, it just automatically, I didn't even think about it. Uh, so yeah, anyway, drill, but the, the time section, I think you need more than 10 minutes to review it. So if you're going to do a time section, I think you need it's probably like one for one, right? 35 minutes to do the section and 35 minutes yeah, to review. Mm-hmm. Hour 10. Don't worry. The ones you don't finish, if you're like really just purely bang for your buck, Scotty, the ones you don't finish on the section, just don't even worry about them because they're probably like beyond your level. 
and if you're just purely worried about efficiency, do the 35-minute section. Try not to miss any. Mm-hmm. Then thoroughly review your mistakes. And if I could see a world where, you know, let's let's say Scotty went really carefully, mm-hmm. did 18 questions and got them all right. Yeah. That's a badass student, by the way. That's like my favorite student. Mm-hmm. Because like I just know they're getting it. They're like figuring them out. They're solving the questions. This would like, be learning like, to actually solve the questions. Yeah. Uh, this is making me think of like, you know, if you mentioned video games earlier. Like if you're playing Rainbow Six and every time you took a shot, you just knock someone out. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Yeah. I like the idea. I've never really thought about it, but I like, I like that. I like using solving mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, if you did that, if you actually spent all 35 minutes on the first, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be 18 questions, but I have seen people do that before, like 18 for 18 at the beginning of the section and then run out of time. Mm-hmm. That's such a promising student because it, you, all you got to do is do one more question and you get one more point. Yeah. And so like in a week or two, now you're doing one more question and getting one more point. Like that's a rapidly increasing score. Yeah. So, and that would actually, you'd be able to do it then in 45 minutes. Like if you make zero mistakes, then okay, great. I think that's what Scotty should be going for. Like if you're really only, like let's say you're limited, you're actually limited to 45 minutes a day. Yeah. When you do your sections, Scotty, I don't want you missing any. This advice actually goes to for everybody. I just don't want you missing questions. Yeah. You got to be, you got to be solving the questions you can solve them and actually find the one and only one possible correct answer. Yep. And if you, if you treat the test that way, then you're going to like really deepen your understanding. Like that's for sure the fastest way to improve. So 35 minute sections, try not to miss any, and then it shouldn't take you that long to review your section. It's, It's, but you know, what people do is they race through the section and they miss half of them and then it takes them an hour and a half to review the section. Yeah. Okay. Thanks Scotty. Thank you. I hope you get the most out of those 45 minutes of study time that you have every day. I do think you can get a lot out of 45 minutes if you do it the right way. Yeah. Okay, last one. On the fence about law school. Hey, Ben and Nathan, I was able to get my seat deposit deadlines extended to May. Some schools actually are just eliminating their seat deposits altogether right now in Corona times. But I'm still on the fence about going to law school. I'm deciding between two full rides from regional schools. I would still need to take out loans for cost of living at both schools. If I were to go to school where I currently live, my first choice, I'd only have to take out 40000 in loans over the three years. Though this is the cheapest option, I don't know if I want to stay here my whole life. I also don't know if law is the right sector for me. Your podcast, a number of books, and my informational interviews with lawyers has made my decision more difficult. Yes, all of this material has made me more than aware of the risk involved in going to law school and incurring more debt for I would be 120k total in debt. She skipped a sentence there, but this is for her other school that she's considering, right Ben? Mhm. Uh she says, "But I also don't have any career and I'm scared of losing this opportunity to go to law school. Why did you guys ultimately decide to go to law school?" Should I just try to find a job and abandon law? I'm afraid I don't have any valuable skills and the job market isn't exactly great right now for entry-level folks with limited experience and a liberal arts degree. Thank you both and your great team, Jen. Why? I feel like there's a lot of missing information here. Sure. Anyway, go. sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Well, I was just thinking, why did I go to law school? Jeez. I don't know if I really thought through the decision. It was more like the traditional, oh, it's so prestigious. So I'm going to go do this thing. I always knew that I was going to go to grad school, and that's just the one I decided on. I don't, I don't know that that's a helpful metric for anyone. Yeah, we come from very different backgrounds, Ben, because your folks were educated, you know, had your, your dad or your mom and dad had graduate degrees? Yeah. They met at Stanford in yeah. both in PhD programs. Right. So, so, and my folks met in kindergarten and neither Whoa. of them went to college. Hmm. Okay. Yep. So, um, but so Ben, for Ben, for you, grad school was always a 
default option. You just knew you're going to grad school. You're the yes. parent. You're the child of people who went to grad school. Everybody goes to grad school. Yep. So it was just like, which grad school? Okay, well, law, because it's inevitable. Yeah, let me just pick one. Like yep. you went to grad school the way I went to college, or the way almost like the way I went to high school, mm-hmm. um, because I was first generation college, but. It, it wasn't, it wasn't ever, grad school was never, I never even considered the possibility of grad school. That's, that's crazy, Ben. Like you were a hundred percent for your whole life knew you would go to grad school. I didn't even know grad school existed when I was in college. I was like, well, this is the end of education. I, yep. I can get, I literally, I was happy when I got a 1.7 GPA one quarter, I got all C minuses, which meant that I didn't have to retake the test or didn't have to retake any of the classes. They all counted toward graduation hmm. and I didn't have to retake them. And I did no work in any of the classes whatsoever. I just showed up and took the finals and I got all C minuses and it was like my greatest achievement. I was like, yes, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, well, no, I mean the point of college is to just get the, you get your college diploma and then you're done. Great. Good. Yeah. I'm done with education. Good. And so that's, and I never even imagined that I would go to grad school, end up going to grad school three fucking times. Yeah. And law school never even, yeah, I never, never even thought about it. But <laughs> ultimately, Ben, we both made the like wrong decision to go to law school without knowing what lawyers do or without really wanting to be a lawyer. Yeah. And just did it because like a lot of what Jen is saying here, I don't have a career and I'm scared of losing. Well, not because of that. I'm afraid I don't have any valuable skills and the job market isn't exactly great right now. That's like, that's why way far, far, far too many people go to law school because of that. Yeah. You're solving like a vague problem with a vague solution. Like if you need a job, you need to start like hitting the cement and talking to people that, you know, random people. (laughs) Going to law school as a default option, going to, or going to law school as a like, I don't know what else to do option. It's a recipe for just disaster. It's such a waste of time and such a waste of money and just such a dumb idea. Like that is the world's worst. You should, you should go to law school because you, you know, lawyer, you know, you want to practice law. (laughs) You know what that is like and you want to do it. Yeah. It's, if it's just like, well, I don't know what else I'm a liberal arts major. That is not the reason. God, that's not the reason to go to law school. Yeah. And that's what I did basically. I mean, I don't know. I had a couple of graduate degrees already before I went to law school, but I just didn't know what to do with my life. I didn't, I didn't, I don't know. I was just trying shit. It's an expensive way to try shit. It's a super expensive way to try shit. I could have got a job in a law firm. They would have paid me instead of me paying them. And I would have quit after two months and just been on to other stuff. It would have been such a better, you know, <laughs> what a, I would have learned more about law in those two months of working in the law firm and hating it and quitting. I would have learned way more about the law than I actually learned in three years of hella expensive law school. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm not, it's like, Jen, you don't have to treat this as if it's a black and white, like this thing, I'm scared of losing this opportunity to go to law school. Hmm. What? What, what do you mean losing this opportunity to go to law school? Because why? They're, they're always going to be there, more desperate than ever, to have you come to their school. You should actually focus on losing the opportunity to do something more fulfilling. Yeah. That's what you're losing. Yeah. Like, just, yeah, boy, this seems... If you have doubts, don't go. Just wait a year. I don't yeah. know if law is the right sector for me. Okay, go get a job in a law firm. Yep. You just be get uh, just get as lawyer adjacent as you possibly can. Even if you just have to be the receptionist, whatever, do that for a while. Get your foot in the door, meet some people, learn about learn as much as you can about legal practice and then figure out whether law is the right sector. She's done influ- she's done informational interviews. And read books and stuff. That's a great start. But man, if you have a doubt, why don't you just get a job? Yeah. Make and even if it makes shit, making nothing is more than I mean, making something is more than making nothing. Like if you start going to law school, even on your full ride, you're just gonna be borrowing your living expenses so that you can study law. And instead you could be getting paid to learn more about what law school or more about what legal practice actually is. 
by working inside of a firm. Yeah. Uh, it's a, this seems like a no brainer, Jen, please don't just t- turn down the offers. You can always reapply next cycle or the cycle after that. If they were willing to give you a full ride this cycle, they're going to be willing to give you a full ride next cycle as well. I see no reason why they wouldn't. Yep. Um, okay, cool. Should we wrap it up there? We should. <laughs> Ben's going to go take a nap. I, uh, Join the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. Uh, we are at Thinking LSAT on Instagram and Twitter. I am at NFox on Twitter, and I've been using Twitter a little bit more recently. Um, if you want to find me there, Ben, uh, I don't know if you're using Instagram, but you are uh, at Innovator Ben on Instagram. Go to LSATdemon.com to study with us. We are live uh, on Zoom every single day of the week. And you can use the demon 24 hours a day and you could start with a free trial right now. So go do it. Um, just a reminder that you can listen to the show a million different ways, Spotify, Apple podcast, YouTube, Stitcher, and our website, thinking LSAT.com. Uh, that was episode 243 of the thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you don't pay for law school. Ha <laughs> ha